Hi, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Packers Unscripted from Packers.com. I am Mike Spofford, joined by my trusted colleague, Wes Hodkowitz. We're coming to you here from our studios at Lambeau Field. Wes, the 2022 NFL Draft is in the rearview mirror. The Packers made 11 selections over the course of the three days. We're going to spend some time here breaking things down in terms of uh, just what the Packers got as far as we can tell right now. Obviously, we won't really know for maybe another year or two or more as to uh, what this draft class really adds up to. But you have to start on the defensive side of the ball because Brian Gutekunst had two picks in the first round at 22 and at 28. Did not make a trade in the first round, stayed at those two spots and picked two defenders from Georgia's National Championship unit. And, of course, I'm talking about linebacker Quay Walker, defensive lineman Devontae Wyatt. Just initially, your thoughts on those two guys being added to a Packers defense that, as we all know, was playing pretty darn well at the end of the 2021 season. It's true, Mike, and I'm not the kind of person that's going to sit here you know, pour Diet Coke down your back and tell you it's not raining. I, I didn't. I wasn't looking a lot at Walker throughout this process, and that has nothing really to do with Walker. It has more to do with the fact that as much as we've talked about the receiver position, how long it's been since they've drafted one in the first round, it had been 16 years since they'd taken an inside linebacker. So I'd seen some good options on the board over the years. But once I got into Thursday, and it started with my good friend Pete Doherty. That was actually his pick for the Green Bay Press-Gazette. We had talked about him a little bit. I started to kind of dive into him a little bit more. So at the time in which the Packers finally did select him, I actually went, you know what, that made a lot of sense. This guy's a tall, rangy athlete. And when you look at what the Packers typically look for in their draft picks, one, it's athleticism. I mean, you look at all those metrics and those newfound kind of analytics that, that talk about the athleticism factor of Green Bay, what they look for in their picks. But realistically, it's also the application of it and what he was able to do in Georgia's defense and how he projects at the next level. And when I close my eyes and I start to mentally visualize him standing next to Devondre Campbell, it's not even just about the fact that they haven't had two linebackers like that. They haven't had two athletes with those builds and that kind of sideline to sideline speed, at least during my time on the beat and extending well before that. We could talk about Wyatt too, but I mean, first and foremost, the fact that the Packers did finally jump at an inside backer, the more you look at the Quay Walker selection, the more it made more sense to me. Yeah, Walker is one of these players that's interesting because it happens every year in the draft. Sometimes it's even with multiple players where he's a player at a certain position where there are other guys in the country, and in this case, actually, another guy on his own team at Georgia who got all of the all of the accolades, the Butkus Award, the you know the, the postseason honors, all of these kinds of things. There were a couple of other guys in this drafted inside linebacker who got all of that attention. So they, in all of the mock drafts and, and all of the analysts, were putting those guys up there as first-round draft picks. Then, as you got to the last few days before the draft, suddenly this name Quay Walker started popping up. And the way it's portrayed in the media is, oh, Quay Walker is rising up draft boards. Well, no, he's been on the draft boards of <laughs> NFL teams this whole time where he is. It's that reporters and analysts are finding out more about what these teams actually think of this yeah. guy. And so they're, he's rising on their boards because of what they're learning through their channels and connections as to what's going on in the actual NFL draft rooms. And 
So as the, as the, when the draft did arrive on Thursday night, there were plenty of people who were saying that Quay Walker very likely could be a first-round pick. And then as it turned out, the Packers made him the first inside linebacker to come off the board. When I look at these two picks in tandem, so to speak, Walker and Wyatt at 22 and 28, <clears throat> excuse me, I look at these as, as companion picks in a sense because Quay Walker sort of becomes the companion to Devondre Campbell at inside linebacker with Joe Barry and his scheme and wanting to, wanting to keep two inside linebackers on the field from a, a matchup perspective as much as possible. Devontae Wyatt kind of becomes the companion to Kenny Clark. The Packers haven't really drafted a defensive lineman with the, the size, athleticism, pass rush ability, that, that whole package that Kenny Clark brings. They haven't really drafted a guy with that type of profile now until they've drafted Wyatt. So it's sort of like I see the middle of the Packers' defense potentially developing into these two pairs of players, the two guys up front, the two at inside linebacker. I think that's how they'd like to see it develop. Obviously, with these guys being rookies, we just have to see exactly how it goes. Absolutely. But Wyatt was the one I think I was most excited about. And again, that's nothing against Walker, but why it's the one that I think even going back to February, I had my eye on because I did too. And I'll be honest, when the Packers did not take Wyatt at 22 and Brian Gutekunst even said so, he thought they had probably given up their chance yep. to get him, figuring he would go somewhere between 22 and 28, but he was still there at 28. So yeah. they took him. And when you had Trayvon Walker, you had Jordan Davis. Those were two of the guys that I think got a lot of the accolades, got a lot of the attention. But you can't discount what Wyatt did in that Georgia defense and what he sort of provided to them. And I think there's a reason why when scouts and pundits and draftniks, they were talking about this draft, they said that this Wyatt kid might, as high, might have as high of an upside as anybody. And when you break down the film and when you look at the numbers with him, a 4.7740, that's about a quarter of a second faster than what Kenny Clark ran coming out of uh, UCLA six years ago now. He isn't as big as Kenny. But he's not that far off, and, right. and he's the kind of guy that's going to be able to play basically any spot on the defensive front, in the defensive line, in any package. And ultimately, I think that's what Green Bay really needed, Mike. They had defensive linemen that could play in the early downs. They had defensive linemen who could play on third down. But unlike Clark and unlike Lowry, they didn't have somebody that could potentially just be on the field at any given time. This allows them to get a deeper rotation going on the defensive line while also giving them – the best middle of a defense that I think they've had uh, over the last 10 years. I mean, I think you would have to go back to 2010 when, you know, you had the Ryan Pickett's and the BJ Raji's and the Johnny Jollies with, you know, Nick Barnett behind them, AJ Hawk behind them for the last time they've had a unit like this. So the kid's going to need time to develop. You're not going to be able to expect him to come in. Kenny Clark needed time back in 2016, but he's a great investment piece at a position in which the Packers hadn't invested anything higher in a, than a third-round pick since they drafted Clark six years ago. Right, exactly. Well, the Packers also took three other players on the defensive side of the ball before this draft was over, the first one coming at the end of the fifth round. South Carolina Eds rusher Kingsley, apparently he goes by J.J., and Gabare. Um, now this this is an interesting this is an interesting guy because he wasn't somebody who statistically jumped off the page in terms of 2021, but you look at what this young man did in 2020, the COVID shortened season. In I believe it was eight games for South Carolina, he had six sacks and three forced fumbles in eight games. 
and he was first team all SEC that season. Now he didn't stay there as first team SEC in 2021. Of course, that's one heck of a league in college football, but he still was pretty solid in 2021. And the Packers envision, envision this young man, not only potentially to help on special teams with, with, uh, with his body type and his speed, but at the edge rusher position, we had talked about it leading into the draft. You have Preston Smith, you have Rashawn Gary. Those are your two starters. The Packers are looking for Randy Ramsey to come back from the injury that cost him all of last year. They have Jonathan Garvin, Ladarius Hamilton, and Tipa Naliyai, guys who have all shown something. They've all flashed something, and they've, they've contributed here and there over the course of the last couple years. But none of those guys has really established himself as as you know a Mr. Reliable like okay, this guy's a a, a bona fide proven NFL producer, right? So, Angabari gets he gets thrown into that competition right now for the number three and four outside linebacker spots in in new position coach Jason Rebrovich's rotation. He's got a chance to uh, to make some noise early here. We'll see what happens. Um, but but those three and four spots at edge rusher for the Packers are wide open as far as I see it. Yeah, and it's going to be a long season for me going Ignabari and then Rebrovich back-to-back in terms of trying to make sure I make all those pronunciations happen. Yeah, I'm, but, sure, I'm sure that I've already botched him a couple of times. But, but here's the thing, Mike, and I don't want to oversimplify this thing, but I really do think in Kingsley's case that if this young man runs a 40 that's maybe .15 seconds faster – I think you're looking at definitely a day two pick and maybe even bordering on you know round one because he has everything else you want. Um, as you mentioned, the production dipped a bit, but he is what you look for when you draw up a 3-4 outside backer. He has the size, he has the determination, and I think he's going to be able to hold up the edge with his strength. It did seem to be the slow 40 time from, uh, from what was out there that, uh, that maybe dropped him, that he was, he was available all the way at the end of the fifth round. Yeah, and, and I'm not discounting that 40s don't mean something. Certainly you look at Rashawn Gary three years ago, uh, that 40, it, not that it's everything in his game, but you can see that explosivity. Right. And it, it, it does show up on the field. But it also, they're not asking this guy to run routes. They're asking him to play football. And, and when you're looking about deepening out a rotation, uh, I, I talked about George Karloftis being a guy I really had my eye on. I, I just felt like there needed to be somebody that they got in this draft that could give them a new option, a draft pick, a guy that has some potential, guy that has some accolades at the college level. And Ignabar, Ignabar, Kingsley really gives you that perspective here. I, I'm really excited about the pick. I'm really looking forward to get a chance to meet him. He sounds like a really, um, you know, affable kid. You know, a really interesting uh, individual. So uh, his personality obviously is indicative of that JJ nickname. And and I think uh, you know when you when you're looking at for Packers people and and guys that can come in and really gel with a locker room. I, I again I don't know him. But just listening to him talk and learning a little bit about his story at South Carolina, he does seem like somebody that will fit in really well with Preston Smith and Rashawn Gary. Yeah, well, then in the seventh round, two other defenders who were added, both of them uh, where uh, the term size uh, jumps out at you. Tariq Carpenter, six foot three, 230-pound safety, maybe a hybrid safety linebacker type 
And then also on, um, Carpenter from Georgia Tech, and then on the defensive line, Jonathan Ford, 330-pound, I believe 6'5", if I yeah. remember correctly. 6'5", 330 defensive lineman from Miami. Carpenter, certainly a guy that I think the Packers are looking at to see what he might be able to bring to special teams for the uh, the return and the coverage units with that, with that body type. Ford is uh, just another classic run plugger, right? I mean, whether you whether you uh, grab a guy like Tyler Lancaster as an undrafted free agent or a 330-pound defensive lineman uh, in you know late in the seventh round of the draft, kind of the same uh, the same type of thing in terms of what you're looking for that guy to do. Can you move him? Is the question, <laughs> and, and not and obviously it's more it's bigger than that. And J- Jerry Montgomery would be the first one to tell you that. But what I look at when I see Jonathan Ford is. This is a man that if he gets his pad level where it needs to be, he is going to be a, just a roadblock for offensive linemen to, to be able to get off his spot because he has everything. He has the size. You know, I, I think you look at his time you know, at Miami, the, the tackle numbers probably weren't as high as you think they would be for a guy that, that's played in 50 games, started 30 games. But you know, as, as Brian Goodikin said after the draft, you know, he thinks this guy, even though he's a little bit older, still has his best football ahead of him, still has some room to grow. And getting him in that line with those offensive linemen, uh, defensive linemen, excuse me, th- there's a lot of, you know, determination and being able to really kind of figure out the next step there. I, I think he's going to learn a lot from that group. Carpenter's a guy I'm really excited about because I think it goes beyond just the defense. Yes, six foot three, 230 pounds. That's an interesting body type. A lot, and I actually think his pro day kind of wowed some people. I mean, the kid didn't get uh, a combine invite, but at his pro day, I mean, I think he was running in the four or fives. I mean, he put up he put up some some intriguing numbers for a guy that could potentially be a linebacker. Um, the Packers are going to start him here at safety, but let's be honest. I mean, for a seventh round pick coming in here, his his first goal is going to be special teams. Yep. And when you think about special teamers, Mike, I wrote about this in Insider Inbox this week. On paper, this guy reminds me a lot of Sean Richardson. And Sean's a kid that he would have played in this league a lot longer than he did had it not been for the neck injuries. Right. But when the Packers signed him out of uh, Vanderbilt, he was the, the, the safety when Casey Hayward was there. He was kind of an afterthought, but at six foot two, 220 pounds, he brought them something on special teams because you can use that type of body type, that type of speed in so many different capacities. Uh, that, that's what I'm looking for from Carpenter. Can he be that type of player? Because if he can... There's a lot of money to be made in this league as far as that being your launching off point. Yeah, I thought the, the comp you made with Richardson was, uh, was a good one. And, uh, you know, Richardson was an undrafted player and uh, Carpenter, you know, a, a late seventh-round guy. So I want to shift to the offensive side of the ball, but we'll take care of some sponsor business here first, Wes. Sirius XM NFL Radio delivers hard-hitting analysis and up-to-the-minute NFL news that true football fanatics need 24-7. 365. And at Cousin Subs, we have something for everyone. Like our Wisconsin cheese curds, mac and cheese, golden fries, and creamy shakes, all paired with your favorite sub or sub in a bowl, Cousin Subs. We believe in better. And if I may, Enigbari. Enigbari. I know. It's going to be a hard one to learn. I'm going to go home at night, kind of like when you used to be doing, like, you're preparing for your spelling bee or whatever (laughs) at at school. I'm just going to sit there and just keep writing that out and spelling it. Yeah. Enigbari. Enigbari. On the offensive side, as we mentioned, the Packers obviously used their two first-round picks on the defensive side of the ball. They went into the second round of the draft on Friday night with picks at number 53 and number 59. And surprise, two picks into the action on Friday night, 
the Packers were on the board because Brian Gutekunst decided to package both of those second-round picks in the 50s to move all the way up to number 34 to select Christian Watson, the wide receiver out of North Dakota State. Your initial impressions of the move and the price the Packers paid to get this young Do you remember man. what I said in inbox last week? You had to edit it. Do you remember my line? I don't remember I, exactly. I liked him as a first-round pick. I loved him as a second-round pick yeah. because I thought that's where the value was. And it's funny because we talked on this show about, you know, would the Packers trade to the 36th spot, you know, yeah. high in the second round, which was the spot where they got Jordy Nelson. Uh, what would that be, 14 years ago yep. now? Uh, Jordy Nelson being drafted 36th overall in wow. 2008. But close enough, right? Number 30, number 34, and uh, the Packers once again – draft a second round receiver. And I've said this before, but I truly mean it. I feel like this guy, Christian Watson, was a lot more like those first six receivers that got taken in the top 18 than the six that got taken immediately after him in the second round. He has everything you want. Six foot four, 208 pounds, runs a four three six forty. I think somewhere around 38 and a half inch vertical if I got that number right. The kid is an athlete. He scores above the ch- off the charts. I think in terms of the receiver position, one of the most athletic receivers and players that the Packers have taken in the modern era when you look at all of his scores. And here's the other thing. He is a fast climber and a kid that had a late growth spurt, and I feel like this is going to be the type of player that's going to come into Green Bay is really going to benefit from the veteran leadership around him. North Dakota State, the guy was a big playmaker downfield target and there is a huge catch radius to work off of Rome will not be built in a day we know how things go with receivers in Green Bay but in terms of finally getting that prospect I know I know it wasn't a first rounder (laughs) or whatever but this kid has what you look for when you talk about the lineage of Randall Cobb Greg Jennings Jordy Nelson Devontae Adams in the second round he has all the measurables to be the next great one yeah to me it's interesting how this played out and the fans have been asking in inbox you know well it sounds like the Packers sure gave up a lot to get that 34th pick and all of that and that is certainly true I mean the the trade charts say that the Vikings won the trade and but here's the thing Brian Gutekunst knows that he knows what the numbers are going to say, right? So, so how, so how do you? I think what you have to do is you have you have to evaluate it from our outside perspective to say that just tells you how much Brian Gutekunst liked this young man and wanted this young man to be his receiver selection in this draft. I totally agree with you with what you said about the guys who were drafted in the first round because there were six receivers taken in a span of eleven picks. From number 8 to number 18 in the first round, those 11 picks, six receivers were taken. The Packers were there at 22. None of those top six guys fell to Green Bay at 22, and Gutekunst did not make a move up in order to get one. The Packers sat with the two picks in the 50s. We saw a handful of receivers get picked in the 50s, like right in that range. Gutekunst knew he could have gotten one of those guys. Yep. And maybe even gotten two of them or gotten one of those guys and an extra player if he stays with his two picks in the 50s. He didn't want to do that. Why? Because he liked this guy as much as, as, much as he does. And I, I, think that's, I think that's how you have to look at it. Now, as you said, Rome won't be built in a day in terms of Christian Watson's NFL career in this Matt LaFleur offense with Aaron Rodgers and everything else. But this was, this was the guy that the Packers had when those first six were gone by the 18th pick. This was the guy the Packers had 
who was far and away the best receiver prospect in their minds. And Brian Gutekunst, he didn't care that the charts were going to say he lost the trade to the Minnesota Vikings. He wanted his guy. He was going to make sure that he got him. And, uh, and, and to get him in here with Al Lazard, Randall Cobb, Sammy Watkins, and, uh, and see what he can do in this offense, not only in the beginning, but over the course of time. Because we all, we've all seen what did Jordy Nelson do over time, what did Randall Cobb, what did Devontae yeah. Adams do. None of those guys set the world on fire as rookies necessarily. This guy, Christian Watson, is going to have the opportunity as a rookie that those other guys didn't have because of the way the receiver room was constructed when they arrived. The Packers are in a different place at wide receiver. He's going to have the opportunity to do both, to show what he can do as a young man and what he can do down the road. We know how we do three things with Larry, right? Yeah. I'm going to give you three things right now. Number one, if you mocked Christian Watson to the Packers in the first round at 22 or 28, you do not have a say in if the Packers gave up too much to take him in the second round. <laughs> That's right. I'm telling you that right now. There's been way too much of this. Yeah. Did they give up too much for him? You guys wanted to take him at 22. <laughs> How is that giving up too much for him? They got two other prospects still. Okay, moving on from that. This guy, Mike, in, in terms of the receiver position, when you ask about opportunities, you want opportunities coming into the National Football League for Christian Watson, the six returning veterans, and the other two rookies that they, they took that we'll talk about here momentarily. There's nine guys that have either been drafted in the NFL or played in NFL games right now on the roster. That is a golden opportunity. It's a golden opportunity to make this 53. It's a golden opportunity to start week one. You play this game for chances to, to solidify yourself, to prove yourself, to, to show everybody you are what you personally believed you are. There were a lot of years in Green Bay where you knew going into the season, it's going to be Jordy Nelson, Randall Cobb, Devontae Adams, James Jones. Flip those two, right? depending on what year you're looking at. And then that's where a bulk of the 11 personnel, that's where a bulk of the snaps are going to go. If any young guy, or you know, even a veteran, plays well in training camp, looks good during the off-season program, shows out during preseason, you're going to play this year. And that has to be motivating. If that doesn't motivate you, nothing will. Because as much as everybody wants to talk about the Packers don't have receivers, whatever, this is a chance once that game one starts to game 17 to show everyone that the Packers receiving core is who they thought they were. Well, and the Packers didn't stop there, of course, at wide receiver. Brian Gutekunst adding two more before the end of the draft. He gets Romeo Dobbs from Nevada in the fourth round, Samore Toure from Nebraska by way of Montana in the seventh round. And both of these guys, Wes, really interesting prospects in my mind because certainly Dobbs, and there was, there's been all this confusion as to whether it's pronounced Dobbs or Dubs. And apparently he's like, cool with both. Yeah, he's actually fine with both yeah. because apparently Dubs was kind of a nickname. Dobbs is what he says is the way it's supposed to be pronounced, but he really doesn't care either way. Kind of like we'll Spofford. Go... <laughs> Not exactly. <laughs> but anyway, so we'll go with Dobbs. But another guy with the size that the Packers look for at the position, right? Six foot two, Absolutely. about 200 pounds. But also the production was there. This is, you know, yes, it's the Mountain West Conference, not a Power 5 league, but back-to-back 1,000-yard seasons for this young man out of Nevada. And then you look at Toure. He came originally from 
the FCS from Montana where he had like off the chart numbers, like 1,400 and some yards. I mean, just had a decorated career for three years at Montana, then lost the season to COVID because the FCS schools did not play in 2020. So then he decides for one final year of eligibility to go to Nebraska to challenge himself in the Big Ten. And he produces. He did. Uh, produces on a Nebraska team to to uh, to then, you know, to raise his stock, raise his profile to where then he does get drafted in the seventh round as opposed to having to wait for a, um, for a free agent contract. But um, – but these two uh, these two receivers very interesting prospects, and I'm I'm really curious I'm really curious about Dobbs because this is a guy that I'll be honest I didn't really know much about uh, I hadn't paid that much attention to as many of the receiver prospects in the middle rounds, but you look at what he did you look at what he did in the college game and you look at the size speed combination it seems like it's 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 the kind of guy that uh, that the Packers feel can fit in pretty well yeah uh, in, in the Mount West Conference I mean it's a good brand of football but for whatever reason I don't know if it's because of the time change or what we don't really get a chance to watch a lot of it you know I mean I remember even when I was Boise State was in its big runs like just trying to find a way to watch them was yeah. kind of difficult yeah so yeah I, I can't lie to you either and sit here and tell you that I've watched a lot of Nevada Wolfpack football but when you do take a look again, like I said, I, I think I mentioned this in Inboxer on the show. When when these things get done, that's when I really do like to sit down and kind of not try to guess what Gutekunst and his scouts are going to do, but try to start to understand why they did it. Yeah, and and that's why with Dobbs, it it makes so much sense in terms of the guy. The guy hit the markers. I mean, obviously he's a fourth round pick, but his production that's no accident i mean this is a guy that really trusted his process in nevada and then when it was time for him to be the lead dog uh he did it and he did it at an extremely high level toure for a seventh round pick is actually probably one of the more interesting players that i can remember the packers taking uh because this is a guy that you don't really know what to think you know when guys come out of the fcs we just talked about it you know with with watson too you, you know there's a there's a difference in competition but he did challenge himself. He went to Nebraska. He led the Big Ten, 19.5 yards per catch last season. He was a big play target, and they moved him all around. He's going to probably be more of a slot guy here. But as we learned, Mike, that's actually a huge opportunity for Green Bay. I mean, between the pre-snap motions, between the way that those guys can be utilized, uh, and he's excited to get drafted. The third thing I was going to say before, and then I was going to get ahead of myself because we hadn't talked about these two receivers yet, is – the Packers have only a handful of occasions over the last 20 years have dived into a skill position group three times. And each time it's produced some pretty good results. I mean, it was three day three picks in 2018, but they did get Marcus Valdez-Scantling out of the fifth round, which was a tremendous find. They did it three times on day three in 2017, and you ended up with Aaron Jones and obviously Jamal Williams. The greatest story of all is 2014 because they let it off with Devontae Adams, and Adams ended up becoming one of the greatest receivers in team history. It's not a given you're going to hit on all three. It's not going to be a given you hit on any of them. But giving yourself that many swings at the plate when you need a receiver, I really feel like that was the strong play here by the Packers. And the Packers also – we had talked about it going into the draft, looking for some depth, some competition along the offensive line. And for the third consecutive draft, Brian Gutekunst selects three offensive linemen. He gets, uh, and all of these, all of these individuals played left tackle primarily to finish their college careers. And I'm talking about Sean Ryan from UCLA, who was chosen in the third round on Friday night, and then two picks on Saturday. 
Zach Tom from Wake Forest, and Rashid Walker from Penn State. Now, the interesting thing is with the first two of these guys for sure, with Ryan and with Tom, there's there's positional versatility. A lot of a lot of analysts saying that Sean Ryan might be a better fit at guard in the NFL than at tackle where he played in college. And Tom, a guy who actually played a lot of different spots, including including center in his uh, in his college career. It sounds like Walker is is more of a tackle, and that's his spot, sort of like Yash Nyman yeah. when they brought him in as an undrafted player a few years ago. Nobody was really talking about him playing guard. Like this guy is a this guy is a tackle. But what the Packers are setting up here is it's it's going to be, I think, some interesting competition along the offensive line. We had talked about sort of how things looked heading into the draft. But to me, you know, yes, Yash Nyman, I think, would be the front runner to start at right tackle. But one of these guys might be able to push him, compete with him. Yeah. We'll see, you know, we'll see how that shakes out. And with the versatility of guys like Ryan and Tom, maybe one of them challenges at a guard spot for either Royce Newman or John Runyon. I think John Runyon is maybe a little more solidified at left guard than Newman is at right guard, based on the way last season ended where Runyon was playing in the playoffs and when Josh Myers came back at center and they moved Lucas Patrick over to right guard and then Newman became the sixth man for the postseason. But I think there's going to be some interesting competition here. Now, I, I would still say the guys who have played in the NFL are your front runners. Yep. They're the guys that you would think would hold on to those spots. But when we were doing this show last year after the Packers drafted Royce Newman out of Mississippi in the fourth round, I don't think either one of us was was sitting here saying, oh, yeah, that fourth-round pick out of Mississippi, he's going to be starting at right guard in week one, right? Well, that's how it played out. Yeah. So we just don't know how this is going to go, but the Packers got got some big guys up front the uh, um, for the depth that they needed based on, you know, having lost Billy Turner, Lucas Patrick, not re-signing Dennis Kelly. Um, you know, the Packers lost a lot of experience on the offensive line in this offseason, and they're uh, they're refortifying that depth chart. One, two, three, four, five. Brian Gutekun said afterwards, it's about trying to find your starting five. And that with these moves that Green Bay made, they give themselves a bevy of options to do that. I, you talk about last year not thinking that Royce Newman would be playing as much. We didn't know that Elton Jenkins was going to end up being at left tackle. We didn't know that when Jenkins went down, it was going to be Yash Nyman right. for eight starts at left tackle. Right. There were so many things that I don't think you could have prepared for last season that it, it reiterated why you need to have contingency plans. They lost Josh Myers for 11 games. Luckily for them, they had put all that time, that sweat, equity, into developing Lucas Patrick as a center. Well, when Patrick leaves, now you got to find guys who could potentially play center, especially with Jenkins still on the mend. That's where you look at a guy like Zach Tom coming in, a guy that has that in his back pocket. Yeah, maybe doesn't have the traditional you know, type of size you look for in there, but his athleticism, again, this is becoming a common thread here, is off the charts. Him and Ryan, their verticals were the two highest of anyone at the NFL yeah. scouting combine. Yeah, 300-pound three, guys putting up like 30-plus inch 33 vertical, inches. Yeah, ver vertical jumps. That's better than some it's receivers hard. in this draft. Yeah, that's hard. it's hard for me to even, to even picture that, quite frankly. I mean, it's pretty remarkable what those guys were able to achieve. So, I mean, that's explosiveness, that's power. It's being able to get underneath the shoulder pads of your opponent. I'm excited for them. And honestly, I'm excited for this entire group because – 
Packers hope they're going to get it in knock on wood will get Elton Jenkins back at some point this season they want that to be a really difficult decision where Elton plays once he's back you hope everything turns out well with David Bakhtiari as you know Brian Gutenkunst has said he thinks that everything's going to be fine in that regard he'll be good to go for training camp and we can get this train back on the tracks but they have so many guys Mike that have played so many different positions and I can't remember the last time they've had, what, eight, nine guys on a roster who have all been draft picks? Because you talked about them taking three straight draft with, drafts with three straight offensive linemen, and they're all basically here still. It, it's going to be really interesting to watch. Yeah. Matt LaFleur and his coaching staff, Adam Stenovich as offense coordinator, Luke Butkus as the offensive line coach, they would love nothing better than for the day that Elton Jenkins is back from his knee injury and is ready to play that it's not obvious where he should play, yeah. right? Because they have, they've, they've established the depth, they have their guys. Elton Jenkins is going to play when he's ready to play mm-hmm. because he's a pro bowler, and he can be a pro bowler at a number of different positions. But if it's not an easy call, that's going to be a good thing I for was, the Green Bay Packers. I get a kick out of this, too, because you're absolutely right about, hey, where does this guy measure up? Should he move inside? Like, it's funny, you go back eight years ago, nine years ago, they were thinking David Bakhtiari was going to be a center. Not the Packers, but some scouts had him pegged as a center. You never know until you know. But the thing that Green Bay has done such an exceptional job at is they let him go out there and figure it out. (laughs) Royce Newman ended up, he wasn't lining up at right guard earlier in the training camp. He was at right tackle behind Billy Turner. Yeah, I was was writing about Newman in the spring because when he was drafted, it was okay, he's a guard tackle prospect and when I was writing about him in the spring and like oh it looks like Newman's going to get his first shot at tackle well by the time by the time training camp rolled around and things really got going into the preseason it's like oh this guy's got a chance to start at guard as as a rookie in week one on a Super Bowl contender so you just don't you just never know it's called football (laughs) you have to figure it out all right well we've run pretty long for today our producer Marv is going to be mad at me but Anyway, we'll sign off from here. We'll talk a little bit more about the draft on our next show. But for now, that's a wrap on Packers Unscripted. For Wes, I am Mike. All kinds of coverage of the draft. If you didn't see what we did over the weekend, and credit to all of our team at Packers.com, the video guys, our, our interns, all our technical people, there is so much out there on these draft picks on Packers.com. Be sure to check it all out. And with that, thank you for tuning in, everybody. We'll see you next time.